0: Welcome once again to Metz at the Movies, the podcast that talks about movies from celluloid to digital and everything in between. My name is Eric Metz, and today we're going to be talking about one of my hidden gems. One of the movies that I feel not a lot of people know about, not a lot of people have watched, and it's a travesty because it is a fantastic film. Today we're going to be talking about the 2009 Mary and Max. Now this is an animated film, stop motion. Uh, One of the few stop motion movies that uh, still exist later in this year. It was a practice that was done for a while back in the day, but uh, it hasn't really gotten a lot of traction today. I mean, Wallace and Gromit is is probably the most well-known stop motion kind of feature animated still going around because Wallace and Gromit has just built uh, a foundation and a fan base for for itself mainly in, in I think England and Europe um, couple there was probably some fa- fan base here in uh, North America as well uh, I mean Wallace and Gromit and the where rabbit uh, I think it was where rabbit won the Academy Award a few years ago so it's not like stop-motion movies are taking over and becoming the new. It's not you know They're not even close to, as pre- to prevalency as the hand-drawn or animated features. Stop-motion is one of the ones that uh, really has, hasn't had a lot of uh, big names. Uh, again, some of the other ones over the past few years, you've had uh, Coraline, um, one of my favorite movies of all, all time, Nightmare Before Christmas, um, Frank and Weenie, Paranorman, just an AMFU off the top of my head. So there are still a lot of movies out, out there. And going through that list, I actually like all of them except for Coraline. Coraline, I haven't seen yet. So it's one of the stop motion animated features that I really haven't seen. And I really, I probably should because I've been hearing a lot of good things. But um, so as I said, it came out in 2009. And this movie has a 95% fresh with an 8.1% average. Not 8.1%, just 8.1 out of 10 average. Now, if you've heard me on my last week's podcast, you'll know that 8 point, that I mean 7.9 for 500 days of summer was huge. 8.1 is massive as well. When you get to the territories of 8 out of 10s and plus, you're talking about some of the best reviewed movies um, of all time. You're talking about some classics, some gems. And this is a classic and a gem early, or not yet a classic, but a gem that really didn't take off it only had it never had a U.S. theatrical release. It only had a release, theatrical release in its uh, Australia, which is where most of the cast and the writer and director is from, and it was made for a budget of eight point two million dollars. So it wasn't that expensive to really make, but it only made one point seven million because it was more of a festival movie when it came out, and not a lot of. Um, mainstream people got got to see it because it never had a theatrical release. It never got uh, any big names. It never got put into 2,000 theaters across North America. It only really had a theatrical release in Australia, which is a damn shame because more people need to watch this movie. More people need to watch this movie. Now, I have a friend of mine who says that uh, he occasionally gets uh, a little bit nervous, Uh, not necessarily scared, um, but kind of uneasy when watching stop motion and i can see there was a, a stop-motion movie that came out a while ago and it was like the adventures of mark twain and it was a stop-motion movie where two kids kind of travel along with mark twain through different kinds of stories and this is one scene in it that just is really weird if you just want to see that scene check out the adventures of Mar- mark twain the stop-motion animation uh, where they talk to the devil it's kind of weird it's kind of creepy and I could see where he gets that, that that feeling when it comes to uneasiness when watching a stop motion. You know, everything is unnatural. Everything is very twisted and very weird. And some aspects of their bodies are overblown, whereas other parts are shrunken down. So it does kind of get a little bit of a weirdness. But uh, I, find, I find them really interesting. I find them, I find them great. As I said, this movie was directed and written by a gen- gen- gentleman by the name of Adam Elliott. Now, if you don't know the, ne- the name, that is Okay um he's not a big director he's done a lot of shorts um mainly in his as i as i said in his hometown of or his home country sorry of australia he's done a lot of shorts this is really on his imdb page this is really his only big um big kind of movie out there he hasn't really done a lot um but this does star tony collette as mary daisy dinkle and one of the reasons why I love that Toni Collette is in this is because she gets to use her natural voice. Um, she's Australian, and a lot of times you see her in movies where she plays uh, an American, so she uses or 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 from England, so she uses a British or uh, American accent. This is where she gets to she gets to actually use her natural voice, which I love. I love hearing. Um, I love hearing actors who can can go into a role and use their actual voice, and they don't have to hide. They don't have to mute themselves they don't have to change any pitches or tones or a- anything it's just their actual voice and I love when that happens because you really get a, a personal sense when it comes to it it also stars the unfortunate late Philip Seymour Hoffman this came out a few years before he pa- passed away so he, ha- he was able to kind of uh, experience the um, thrill of this movie and he plays Max Jerry Horowitz or Horowitz I believe it's Horowitz sorry and um, he plays a character based in New York Tony Toni Collette plays a character based in Australia, and this whole movie is centered around the two of them being pen pals. And as a side character as well, you also get Eric Bana, who, yes, that's right, you know, Eric Bana um, is in this movie, both as the young child and the adult version of Damien, I'm going to try, S- Damien Stepapapadopoulos, I think his name is, close to that, it's a very, I mean, they make a joke of how like hard it is to say in the movie. Um, whereas a stutterer, it's kind of a funny joke because he starts stuttering it and then they hit him in the back of the head and that's when the whole thing comes out. And as somebody who stutters, I've been there a few times where you've kind of had to, you know, hit the machine a little bit to knock the needle back in place. But as I said, this movie stars um, a young Mary Daisy, a young Mary Daisy Dinkle who doesn't live, she doesn't have the best life that the that's going on right now um her father works at a teabag factory and he's a very quiet self-preserved person who when he's not at work he's usually at home in his little shack or shed i said shack; it's not even a thing right now his shed uh where he stuffs birds that he finds on the road and her mother is an alcoholic uh an alcoholic kleptomaniac as well and she always drinks sherry and she always watches um, cricket. Those are her two, two things. She's not a very nice person. And then one of, one of Mary Daisy Dinkle's characteristics is she has a birthmark on her forehead, which she gets teased for it a lot because, let's face it, kids, kids can be ruthless. And, th- and this t- takes place in 9, 1976. It starts off in 1976, where you have, um, you, didn't, you didn't have the kind of push towards equality as you do now. Than, than you did back then. So even something as simple as a birthmark, you would, you were basically picked on and tortured by the other kids. Now, Tony Vlad's car- character, Mary, um, goes to... Her and her mother go to the post office and she kind of looks around and she decides, um, you know what, she's got some quick questions and she wants to write to somebody in uh, another country. So she randomly grabs an American book, picks out a name and... Lo and behold, it becomes Max. Rips out the paper and uh, starts writing to Max. Now, Max, on the other hand, Max is uh, also, again, talking about Mary. She's a very nice, she's a very kind-hearted child as well. She has a pet uh, rooster, and um, she has this really popular show that she loves. She's, She's a very nice, she's a very sweet child. It's kind of kind of heartbreaking when when you see kind of the life she has to live and everything she's going going through but yet she's this character is still such a sweetheart she's still such a little girl that you kind of look at and you go you know what i want things to work out for you i want things to go well for you um and then on the other hand philip seymour hoffman's character max max is a whole other story max is a full-grown adult he's in his 40s overweight um, he's got some mental issues as well. Um, he has a lot of anxiety. He's been in mental institution before. Um, this is, it actually talks about an early case of, I believe it's Asperger's and he has to deal with this stuff. He lives alone. He doesn't have a- a- anything. And it shows as his character goes throughout the movie, it shows that is that his character himself is not he doesn't fully understand how things work there's a lot of things that that scare him there's a lot of things that freak him out i mean just when he gets this letter the first letter he gets he has a breakdown he has a freak out and he doesn't he doesn't uh, send anything back back to mary for a while because he's confused he doesn't know what this is he doesn't know some of the questions he doesn't that she's uh, asking but on the other hand he's also an extremely brilliant brilliant individual this guy names his fish after scientists, Newton, Asimov, um, Einstein, and he reads all their books too. Like he legit sits down and he reads the books that these scientists have published. So he knows a ton about the world. One of the best things though about, and and one of the funny things about Max's character is um, he has an imaginary friend that he was told as a kid, you shouldn't have have this imaginary friend. But as he's older, he still has this imaginary friend, but they don't hang out anymore. His imaginary friend just kind of hangs out in the corner and reads self-help books. It's a funny its its a funny bit. It's actually a really funny bit that um, later on turns into something actually really sad. Now, throughout the movie, these two are mailing each other back, back and forth. And that's kind of the crux of the whole movie, is these two not feeling like they can open up to anybody else. So finally, they decide to write to each other and back and forth. And between the two of them, each of them kind of help each other out uh, by learning a few, few things. Um, Mary learns to be more uh, open, uh, stronger, kind of defend herself when it comes to people making fun of her. Um, she ends up getting a job to save money. Uh, they're big on chocolates. They really love chocolates. And when you hear, there's something about hearing an old Jewish man and an Australian girl say the word chocolate. They emphasize different parts of the word than what North Americans do. Not to say that Jewish people aren't North American, but, you know, your standard white, I guess, Catholic or Anglican or Protestant um, person, white person, says the way chocolate these people kind of emphasize different parts of the word that every time they say it you kind of get i don't know you kind of you kind of i kind of smile a bit because i like how that i like how they say it. it's a unique way of say saying it and i really like hearing that more and more um as the movie goes along and they both share a lot of the same features as i said they both like chocolates and sweets and uh they're both a fan of the tv show the noblets uh little characters kind of like uh kind of like the smurfs i think Uh, I think it's a show that's similar to The Smurfs, but they're called The Noblets. And over time, you kind of realize that um, both of these people are very different, but they have a lot of similarities, which speaks to us as a society a little bit as well, where, you know what, we have differences with other people, but when you get down to it, a lot of us are feeling the same way. A lot of us are feeling um anxious a lot of us are feeling scared a lot of us are feeling like we don't really know where we are in this world we don't really know what our place is but the fact that we have somebody else who's experiencing that as well we can we can breathe a sigh of relief because we know that we're not alone in this and i think that's the biggest thing i think that's the biggest part of this movie to take away is even on the other side of the world you're not alone and there's people that are feeling the same way as you, whether it be feeling negative thoughts or feeling positive thoughts. There's somebody out there who feels the same way as you. And the movie continues along. They get older. And um, you start to see them in their more teenage adult years. Uh, now, Mary ends up going through a procedure uh, where she gets her birthmark t- taken off. And because of that, she gets a ton of con- confidence. She ends up marrying Damien, played by Eric Banna. Um, they have uh, a great life together. Well, she thinks a a great life, but you can clearly see that Eric Bana's character, Damien, um, isn't really, he's not really happy with their relationship. And they both kind of grew up together. So they both were kids together across the street. They both went to college together or university together. And she excelled. She ended up, she ended up writing a paper about Asperger's. Now, because of that, that was one of the biggest things that ha- ha- happened about this. Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, Max, um, is a very proud individual as well. People say that his brain doesn't work, but he's under the understanding that, no, he thinks his brain works ju- just fine. And for you to say that it's not working right, he thinks you're the weird one. And that that's that's beautiful, man. He He knows who he is. He knows that he has this Asperger's syndrome but the way people describe it he doesn't feel that he doesn't feel like he's a pariah on society he doesn't feel like he's a waste of space he doesn't feel like he doesn't deserve to be here and i think that's so powerful. i think that's extremely moving and powerful is that just because you have these labels on you that doesn't make you who you are as i said earlier max is an extremely intelligent individual like extremely intelligent intel- intelligent individual Um, We ended up finding out that Eric Bana's character has his own pen pal with a farmer in New Zealand that he, uh, a male farmer in New Zealand that he runs away with, um, and kind of leaves Mary alone after they got married and basically leaves her. Now Mary ends up going through this pit of despair because she sent her book to Max, and Max took it rather hard. He didn't really enjoy it. He felt like he was a prop. He felt like he was being used to put up her career, and um, he kind of, he hated it, and he stopped t- talking to her for a really long time, and because Eric, because Damien left and Max wasn't talking to her anymore, she took this really hard. She took this so hard that uh, she ended up trying to kill herself, but uh, luckily her neighbor across the street uh, saved her at the right time. And then we end up finding out that uh, she's a ba- baby inside her as well that she she didn't even know. So it's a very dark, it's a very dark dark scene. Like there's a lot. I mean, the movie is dark as uh the movie is kind of dark as it is. But this is a dark scene that really takes its toll. And uh, you kind of again, you feel bad for this character because she's such a nice care character. Now, I won't spoil the ending because the ending I think is one of the be- one of the best parts. I think if you 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 it's you don't see the ending coming but there when you watch it again there's a scene where max says something like i keep your letters in a place that can give me happiness all the time and he and and that scene kind of like after you know the ending you're like oh now i get it which is really fun to watch it again and really even even more charming But the ending is super sweet. It balances sadness and joy very well. And that's what this whole movie does. This movie balances joy and sadness extremely well. Come out of this really understanding the characters, and it respects the characters as well. It gives a really strong understanding of what mental health is and what people going through it deal with. And... It's, it treats it, as I said, it treats it with respect. Another thing that I love about this mo- movie is the music. The main theme, I've been trying to find it forever so I can put it on, on my phone and just have it all the time. But the main theme is so well done, so well scored. The whole audio track with the sounds of New York in the background um, and how it intertwines with the story and then the characters th- th- themselves... And how their vocals come out, and how their and how their their breathing changes, and how things change about about them over time. It's a very it's very well the audio in this is is extremely well done. As I said, it handles sadness and joy very well. It's one of the best ones that uh, it's one of the best movies that I've seen. And as I said, it's got a fantastic ending and great characters. One thing I forgot to mention as well is there's a side plot with Max's neighbor, an old lady who's blind, and um, she ends up winning the lottery. Actually, he ends up winning the lottery and buys all the chocolate he wants, and he has a list of things that he wants to accomplish. He wants to get um, the entire Noblet's collection, own a lifetime supply of chocolate, and own a friend. And his psychiatrist, or his therapist, psychiatrist, says that these are stupid goals. And again, it's one of the funny bits in this where... Uh, it's a it's a heartwarming tale you understand what the therapist is go, going through but then you can kind of see what max thinks of what this guy is saying and you understand what he what the therapist is saying but you're seeing it through Max's eyes which is a really which is a really strong strong message and it's a really strong uh point points of the film now as I said this is one of my most like underrated films I've ever seen I keep telling people about it but I don't even know if anybody that I I, I know has has seen it it was on the short list for best animated feature at the Oscars in 2000 I, th- I guess it would be 2010 because it's usually a year. in uh, 2009 2010 and obviously Up was the big winner the other movies that uh, were no- nominated were the previously mentioned Coraline Fantastic Mr. Fox Princess and the Frog, and Secret of Cals. Now, I can't really say whether Mary and Max deserves to be in that list more than others, because it's unfair for me to say that, because I've only seen three out of the five. I've only seen Up, which Up has an amazing beginning, but as I start to think about Up a little bit more in life, I need to rewatch it again, but as Up passes through time, I feel like Up is isn't as good as what i thought it was and what i felt during those first 10-15 minutes corline as i said i haven't seen so i can't say anything about that fantastic mr fox I've, i'm not a huge wes anderson fan i get why people like his movies the only movie that i really liked was uh, moonrise moonrise kingdom because it's a coming of age tale and i love coming of age tales but all his other movies i never really got Princess and the Frog felt like a standard Disney movie. Um, And Secret of Cals, I've never seen. So I can't really say whether I believe it deserves to be in this list or not. If they were doing six nominated films, 100%, I would want this in there to get at least a nomination and to get other people to talk about this. Because I think it's a great movie and I think it's a fantastic film. Again, 2009, Mary and Max. It's hard to find as well. I don't think it's on Netflix. It's, it's on iTunes. Everything's on iTunes. But I don't think it's on, net, on net Netflix. So you really have to kind of want to wa- watch this movie. Now, instead of t- taking a break, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to roll straight into my discussion point for this week. And I want to talk about animated shorts. The reason why I want to talk about animated shorts is because it's something that I've kind of grown to appreciate more over the last... I would say six or seven years uh, because I have a friend of mine that we go and we watch the Oscar-nominated shorts, both live action and animated every year. And we've been doing this for probably about four or five years now. And animated shorts are something that not a lot of people get to see, which is a shame because there are some fantastic animated shorts. And what's great about this is they're all in easy-to-digest morsels. They're all usually about... 15 20 minutes on the average some are shorter than that some are a bit longer than that but you never feel like oh god this is dragging out and just like last year um i saw I, I'm, I'm gonna list off a few that i think are some of my my most favorite animated shorts of all time that i wish people would watch uh, and watch more of it now obviously we all know about the disney ones we all know about the 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 pixar ones Because they play in front of a lot of uh, their movies, including with the longest, what was it, the longest babysit, which was the Simpsons one that came before Wreck-It Ralph, I believe. Yeah, I think it was before Wreck-It Ralph. But we all know about the the, the Pixar ones, because Pixar promotes their animated shorts better than anybody else. And I wish other studios would do this too, because there's a lot of great movies out there i'll talk about live action shorts in another podcast because i have some of those that that are great but last year i got to see one that was called pear cider and cigarettes now this is a longer one it's about half an hour long it's a very mature one as well it's very mature because um it deals with drug use it deals with um a lot of swearing a lot of adult themes but it is a great great animated film Feature again, it's about half an hour long, so it's a little longer than the ones you would nor- normally get. But it's basically about it's a friend telling a story. Uh, it's a guy telling a story about his friend and how his friend was an amazing athlete when they were kids, but he was just always getting into trouble. He was just always doing things. And then what it did was it explained a little bit more about what happened to them, what happened to this character later on in life. He had to go to China or Japan. And get a new kidney because he couldn't get one here in Canada. It's a really good good story. The music is is fantastic as well. Another one that I love that I saw, uh, I think the year year before that, which was World of uh, World of Tomorrow. And this is a weird one. This is uh, if you've ever seen The Simpsons, the episode where um, Itchy and Scratchy go off the air, and they have to use I think it's the Russian versions of Itchy and Scratchy um and how like weird weirdly drawn it is that's basically world of tomorrow but it's very funny it's it's very weird it deals with time traveling it deals with memory traveling as well uh it's very funny it's very weird it's a movie that not everybody can go into and watch um and enjoy it's a very surreal one another one that i really like from a few year years ago is called the dam keep the dam keeper. Now this is a now this is a very touching one as well. This is actually the one that I picked to win. I can't remember which one won, but this is one that um, I love because it was about. It was basically about um, It's set it's set in this little city where everybody is animals, and there's this young pig who seems to have lost his pair his parents, but his job is he has to make sure that the windmill keeps spinning to keep the darkness on the other side of the dam now during this as well this kid this little piglet kid piglet has to go to school but he's not the most popular one he's actually considered like he's picked on a lot until a new student comes in and he and this new student i think is a fox and really accepts him and they become really good friends and again it's a heartwarming tale. It's very good. The animation is extremely beautiful. The anime the animation is extremely beautiful as well. The story is really good as well. If you can find it, damn keeper. Another one is a D- Disney one, but it's a Disney one that I really want to talk about because I really love the music and it's called Paperman. It's about a guy who uh, basically works in a boring 9 to 5 job hitting papers or stamping papers until he comes across a woman that he's sh- he's Smitted, smoked, smited. He falls in love basically at first sight. And he sees her on the other side of a street in a building and tries to throw a whole bunch of paper. Now, yes, it's a D- Disney one, so the paper kind of um, turns into like wind and kind of floats around and pushes him towards. But it's a very touching story, and the music in it is great. Duet is a short one. It's only about three or four minutes long. Again, great music. I love the animation for this. It looks like a Disney one, but it's kind of not. The guy who created this was a Disney... He worked for Disney. And what he did is, as a side project for himself, he created this. And it's a very beautiful um, animated short about two people kind of growing together throughout their lives. um, From childhood all the way up to adulthood and everything like that. Uh, You can get it on... A lot of these, I think you can get on iTunes duet. I know you can get through the Google Stories app um, which is a VR app. and you can get it through that. Now the last one I want to talk about is the one that really started getting me into Animated Church, which is Logo Rama. This is one you need to see. You need to see, see this one. It's 16 minutes long, and it uses over 3,000 logos. Like, everything in the world is a logo. Buildings are made of l- logos. Birds are l- logos. The cops are Michelin men. The bad guy in this is Ronald McDonald. Like, everything in this short is a logo. How they pulled it off? I do not know, but it basically tells a story of the cops are trying to stop Ronald McDonald because he tried to he tried to rob a diner, and then he ends up killing people, and then he takes him on a chase. This is an adult short. It's not. It's not for kids. It's not for kids at all. And then it ends up building into the world kind of fall falling apart and everything like that. But the. This one I did have. It was on the iTunes Store. It's not now. I don't know where you can find it. But Logo Rama is a movie that I think you need to watch because it is great. It is so funny as well. Now, again, so, so some of my picks that you should see are Pear Cider and Cigarettes, World of Tomorrow, The Dam Keeper, Paperman, Duet, and Logo Rama. That's it for today's episode. Uh, I'm going to try and do another one before the end of the week, uh, simply because I'm going on a little bit of of, a driving vacation. So I don't know how often I'll be able to load up new episodes, but I'm going to try and get at least one more kind of special episode in before the end of the month. So that way you have a little bit more to go until I get back. And uh, that'll be it for today's episode. And I will see you at the next screening. (laughs)